Listeners, I know we all love to clink clink, but maybe you're looking to clink clink and cut back. You know what I mean? Are you looking to cut back on alcohol this year? Well, recess is a great tool to assist you because recess mocktails are 0% alcohol made with real fruit, only 25 calories or less, sweetened with agave, infused with functional ingredients, and they taste just like your favorite cocktails, just without the alcohol. I love the Recess Paloma because I love the ritual of pouring myself a lovely drink to unwind. I love doing that every night. I think it's essential. Recess Zero Proof Craft Mocktails is my go-to to go chill. So get 15% off Recess Mocktails now at takearecess.com slash clink. And you too can enjoy your favorite cocktails without the consequences. Clink, clink. Listeners, did you know that an estimated 5 billion plastic hand soap and cleaning bottles are thrown away each year? And if that's not bad enough, most cleaning formulas are 90% water, which is heavy to ship, leading to excessive carbon emissions. Plus, those products are often filled with nasty ingredients like chlorine and ammonia. That's a lose-lose situation for you and the planet. Nobody's trying to have that. Enter Blue Land. Blue Land is on a mission to eliminate single-use plastic by reinventing cleaning essentials to be better for you and the planet with the same powerful clean you're used to. The idea is simple. They offer refillable cleaning products with a beautiful cohesive design that looks great on your counter. Fill your reusable bottles with water, drop in the tablets, and wait for them to dissolve. Genius! You'll never have to grab bulky cleaning supplies on your grocery run again. Refills start at just $2.25. Blue Land is trusted in over 1 million homes, including mine, y'all. When I received my first shipment of Blue Land, I was blown away by how this simple concept just makes so much sense. It's so easy. You just drop the tablet into the stylish functional bottles and get your clean on. I love the subscription option because I am not trying to get one more bulky item in my cart. Blue Land products really get the job done and leave my home smelling so fresh and clean. Blue Land has a special offer for our listeners. Right now, get 15% off your first order by going to blueland.com slash clink. You won't want to miss this, guys. blueland.com slash clink for 15% off. Hi, and welcome to Housewives of True Crime. Welcome. Welcome. I am Tabitha. Give me Dateline, white wine, and I'll pick up your kids in the carpool line. The next day, right? Yeah, the next day. Okay. And I am Gretchen. I like white wine, true crime, and in bed by nine because I have a lot of stuff to do in the morning. (laughs) (laughs) We are housewives of true crime. Yes, we are. Yes, we are. Hello and welcome. Welcome. Housewives of True Crime. What a do. What a do, barbecue. Yeah. Did you have a barbecue this weekend? Uh, no. no not I that you not. know of yet? Oh, only my body <laughs> from the sunburn. That's the only thing that got barbecued. <laughs> I went to the beach and did not get sunburned, Gretchen. Oh, good. Good on you. I you used- can show me how that works when you come down. Oh, I will. I will. I got it. I got Oh, do you hear my cat? They miss me. They say, where's my Gretch? I want to sit on her lap when you're recording. 
I don't know if you would let her sit on your lap right now. Oh, she's gross. She has one eye. Yeah. So my poor cat that had like the COVID or something before, now she has one eye. Something happened to the other eye. It's totally glazed over in a white mishmash. So anyways, right after this, I'm going to the vet to take her to the emergency vet so we could figure out like what really is going on there. Oh, that's an exciting day. Not. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we don't have any excitement around here, Tab. The most exciting thing that has happened is Wyatt has a loose tooth and Willow fancies herself a dentist and she has been trying to pull it out for him. And he's letting her? He kind of was at first, actually, until and she was getting in there. You know, and she was really, really, really wiggling it. And I mean, like blood is coming out and any everything. Like my kids are savage. Okay. But then (laughs) she did something so crazy. She punched him. (laughs) (laughs) And we were like, whoa, you know, we have a zero tolerance for punching. This is what I actually do, parent, you know, automatic timeout. Yeah. And she was like, come on. I was just trying to toughen him up. He was whining about it. Oh, my gosh. That is so funny. Go Willow. Where did she get that, though? That's crazy. Well, you know, sometimes girls are more aggressive than boys, like Kyla. She's aggressive. (laughs) Yeah, my my (laughs) girl's aggressive, too. I'm like Willow, though. I try to get in my kid's mouth and pull that shit out as fast as possible. And one of my kids does not let me. The other one is like, Mom, yeah, tie it to a door. Do whatever you want. Yeah. Which I think is real fun. I slow-mo it. It's like fascinating to me. Kind of feel bad I don't have teeth to pull out myself yeah. anymore. It's pretty satisfying. It really is. It's I know. like very strange. <laughs> we're, we're so weird. <laughs> yeah. You know, I kind of like tooth pain also. Ew. Not no. like tooth, not deep tooth pain where it like hurts your entire face. Yeah. But like a canker sore. Oh, yeah. When you like just kind of like tongue it. Yeah. All day. Yeah. yeah it's, that's weird. I, weird. <laughs> it's got to be. Yeah. It's got to be mean something or something. I don't know. I don't like any other kind of pain. So don't get twisted. No BDSM okay? for tab. No. no. Okay. <laughs> Nothing like that. I like okay. everything. Very nice. Like a good foot massage at the pedicure place, which I'm missing so much. Oh my God. Can those please open like tomorrow? Mm-hmm. I got a massage, you know. I know. Gretchen stepped You know, I got a massage at the chiropractor and I was really concerned about like all the, you know, spreading of the COVID, but mm-hmm. it's really not bad, right? Because you're, I mean, I only let her do my back. So it's like you're face down. Yeah. And it's one person. It's not like yeah, you're in a crowded room. Yeah. What are you drinking this morning? coffee. Any Baileys in it? Oh, yeah. It totally fits into my keto. Like you wouldn't kick my ass. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Guess what, you guys? Okay. So there is a way to make keto Baileys and I've done it. And it's so delicious. It is. Yeah. You you make it with cream and whiskey and that swerve. Swerve. I use the swerve or you can use the monk fruit. Tastes even better. And it's really good. So if you guys love Baileys and coffee like I do, something to think about. If you want to, you got, I mean, it, it's not like an easy feat, right? You got to mix a bunch of ingredients, but 
it's pretty good. What else you got to do? I took my kiddos to the donut shop for the first time in since COVID. Oh, like they all got out of the car and went inside? No. No. I locked them in the car, but it's right there, you know, like I yeah. can see them. No, I don't let them go out of the car yet. Yeah, I was shocked that you said that. Yeah. Yeah. No. So we I went in and so you left you them know, in the car. So you're like a you're a bad parent, hot car mom. <laughs> I leave it on. <laughs> and when I leave the car on, I could take the key and I could lock it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I don't think it's illegal, but if it is, don't then arrest it me. It wasn't us. We're talking about somebody me. else, a friend. Yeah, of ours. it was a friend. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so my boys always love the sprinkled donuts, but I'm always like, oh, which ones to get? So I got like every color of sprinkled donuts there is. So they and two of them, so they don't fight over it, right? And then I love maple bars and I, I knew I wasn't going to eat it, but I'm like, well, maybe one of my kids will actually try it. And then I got, you know, another grown up donut, couple donuts just to throw in, see if they'll venture out of their sprinkle kitty fix. Yeah. Guess what? What? They didn't eat any of the sprinkled donuts. So I got two of each sprinkled donuts and they were like, oh no, mom, we'll just take those two that you bought. <laughs> those like grown up donuts. Oh. They're like not babies anymore. They're growing up. That's so sad. I can't wait till my kids are out of the like macaroni and cheese, sprinkled donuts, chicken nuggets. Like, can we, can I cook for you? Like, can I really cook? I'm pretty good at it. I know. My daughter, Kyla, she loves all that. Like you could cook for her all day, which is so amazing. And the and the boys are still like pizza, chicken nuggets. And it's real so annoying. Monotonous. Yeah. It is. I hate it. I hate it because then I'm always making like two different things for dinner. Who's calling you at this hour? It's the husband. So the husband. Oh, checking up on you, making sure he's on. He got he got COVID. He had to leave this morning and go to work and get COVID tested. Oh, and he's coming home. He's probably on his way home mm-hmm. so that I can go to the dermatologist because. The mole saga continues, you guys, and oh, I'm not going to bore you with it. But she also gets to get her hair done. Uh-huh, same, same place. Time. <laughs> yeah. Little Botox. I already did that last time. I know. You, can so you can't move my face. <laughs> you can still can move a little bit. My eyebrows a little bit. So today we're talking about a case that... Lots of people know about Gretchy, and it's we're we're doing it together, kind of. Yeah, yeah. So this is gonna be different. This should be fun. Be a little different. Ta- it's so funny. Okay, yeah. Let's get to it. You want to? I was just gonna to say it? you're so funny because I think Tab is like ah, oh, like it's a competition. Who's gonna win? <laughs> and I'm no, like, no. whatever. No, I just want to, you know, because everybody already knows about it. Yeah, that's true. Okay. Okay. So it's finally here. We are finally doing the Scott Peterson case. That is correct, Amundo. We have resisted it because, you know, millions of people already know about it, written books about it, run it around and around. You know what? It's it is a real fascinating case. And even I did not get bored researching it after like all this time. Oh, yeah, because you forget because we forget. 
I do forget like everything. So maybe that's why I feel like I knew this one pretty well. Nothing, nothing came that I was like, oh, I didn't know that, you know? Yeah. This case also has a lot of controversy and people seem now more than ever to be divided. Some people believe he is innocent, maybe Gretchen. And some people think he is a douchebag murderer that can rot in hell. Okay. Well, this is what I want to say. Okay. (laughs) Okay. I don't know if he is innocent or guilty. Okay. But we're going to, what we're going to do is decide for you today. Today, we're, there's a lot of controversy and today's the day we're going to figure out. Right. We have a, we're going to give each other points. Like if that was a good, if I'm going to argue that he's innocent, then I get a point. If Tabitha concedes, like that's a good point. Yes. And whoever gets the most points is Wins. that then, then we all know. <laughs> then you guys don't have to worry about it anymore in your brain. Is oh gosh, is Scott Peterson guilty? I don't know. No, Housewives says he is. Boom. Don't Boom. think about it anymore. Yeah. Okay. So I'm going to tell the story, the facts, and the timeline as the prosecution did. And Gretch is going to play more of the I'm gonna, like, defense. In, yeah, I'm going to interject. And by the way, I watched one documentary about this <laughs> three times. So you're not getting like a Johnny Cochran, you know, up in here. You're getting like a, a public defender. Okay. Well, okay. I, I, I kind of think actually that Mark Garagos was like a public a defender. Yeah, he didn't do a good job. Sorry, no. Mark. I, yeah. We do think that Mark is a great attorney, yeah. but this one, he just blew it, blew it. Yeah. There must've been something going on in his life that he just didn't take the time to really get the facts straight and be able to combat the prosecution. But, you know, we'll do that for him. Yeah. Yeah. Don't worry. We're on your team now. So I am. Yeah. Yeah. In for game. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> So let me start for the few people that may have lived under a rock for nearly 20 years from the beginning. Well, before the world knew who Lacey and Scott Peterson were, they were just what seemed to be from the outside, a happy little couple living a middle-class life in Modesto, California. Modesto is not glamorous. It is Central California, major agricultural area, and I would say Most people living there are hardworking, blue-collar people. It does have a population crutch of over 200,000, which I thought was I didn't realize Modesto was that big. Yeah. House prices today are going from the 300,000s to a real nice house for about 450,000. So for California, that's real reasonable in the price range. Yeah, that is reasonable. Yeah. The city of Modesto also sits just 90 miles east of San Francisco, and some people call it the armpit of California. I thought that was more reserved for like Fresno Bakersfield. or Bakersfield. Well, it's not really far from there. From there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I just, I mean, I drive through there many times. I just, I didn't think of it as that bad, but just like nothing special. Yeah, but that's the same. You're not going to be like, hey, guys, let's pack up the kids and, and go to Modesto for the weekend. Nope. No, but that's the same as Fresno. My I have tons of family that live in Fresno, and the only reason you would go there is to visit family. You wouldn't go there to hang out. 
my husband has a um I mean, this is funny if you're from California. I, I'm sure every state has a town that they kind of make fun of. We make fun of Fresno. And you do? we used to yeah, well, we do kind of make fun of Fresno around here, like, oh yeah, where is that Fresno? You know? I thought it's like Baker's. Anyways. Well, yeah, same thing, though. I think they're both in the same category. Anyways, he has a shirt because we spent a lot of time in Morro Bay when we were on boats that says Morro Bay. And it's like a beautiful, you know, sunset. Mm -hmm. And then on the bottom, it says it's better than Fresno (laughs) because (laughs) because Morro Bay is not that great either. That's where Scott Peterson worked, by the way. But that's where everyone goes from Fresno is like they drive out to the beach you know, that's the closest place, Morro Bay. You know what people call Ventura? Bakersfield by the sea. Yes. That's where we're from. That's why we can we can diss because we're from one of those places. <laughs> they also call it Ventucky. Yeah. Yeah, we get that too. Yeah. Okay. So you have this beautiful couple back to Lacey and Scott living mm-hmm. in Modesto, which they moved to after college. Lacey actually was from Modesto, so it made sense to her to be close to her family. Scott, on the other hand, was from the San Diego area, which is about nine hours south of Modesto. Southwest, yes. Lacey and Scott met while they were attending Cal Poly State University in San Luis Obispo. You OGs know from our very first episode of Rex Krebs that that is also where I attended college. Lacey and Scott would actually meet in 1994, four years before I got there. Scott worked as a waiter at a nearby restaurant in the Morro Bay. And Lacey Mm -hmm. saw this looker and was struck. She immediately knew that she wanted to date him and gave him her phone number. From there, they dated for two years before marrying. Now, Scott was still in college when they were married, and his douchery would be revealed very early on in their relationship. Two tips actually came in about women that had relations with Scott when he was still at Cal Poly and married to Lacey. One woman said she walked in on Lacey and Scott in bed together when she came over to Scott's house. Had no idea that he was married. And the other one said that he claimed he was getting divorced. And she knew that wasn't true when she saw Lacey giving Scott a big kiss at graduation. So. Oh, I had never heard any of that. No? Yeah. No. Should should I give you a point? Mm -hmm. Okay. History of Dushuri. One. Okay. Yeah. So, One. I mean, he was a sleaze from the beginning. Okay. I see him as arrogant. And maybe that is because Scott grew up in, and I'm not saying that you're arrogant if you grew up in this area. Okay. I'm just saying like he grew up in Rancho Santa Fe, attended private school, grew up in country clubs, and The Central Coast living is more like country living, not country club living. Yeah, it's a pretty affluent area, Rancho Santa Fe, and um, he's a good-looking guy. Yeah. So people in the Central Coast grow up in 4-H clubs, while Scott Peterson was at 
prestigious golf club swinging thousand dollar clubs. You get it? Yeah. So he thought he was, yeah, he thought he was a big deal. Yeah. Yeah. Lacey and Scott's upbringing were just real different from each other. And I can see how like a 20 year old male could be like that higher than thou mentality, right? Yeah. So it seems like Lacey at least knew in the beginning of the marriage that maybe Scott had a bit of a wandering eye or maybe she was just gullible or maybe she just found him so handsome that she overlooked his flaws. Whatever it was, they began their life together. And after graduation in 1998, they opened a restaurant in San Luis Obispo called The Shack. My The Shack? Uh-huh. Okay. My friend actually frequented the restaurant often. And I, when I looked it up, I was like, I know that restaurant. I ate there. And oh. I ate there, Gretchen, when they owned it. Can you yeah. believe that? Dun, dun. You were probably in the same room with I them. I know. I thought that too. <laughs> Crazy. So my friend who actually had lots of conversations with Scott and Lacey said it was no secret that he was a total scumbag and did not respect women the way that he should have, right? I mean, it seemed like he did, you know, that smooth talking kind of thing that everybody likes, but it was really just to kind of get in your pants. The first time that he met Lacey's mom, he brought Lacey's mom a dozen roses and Lacey a dozen roses, the real win them over type that lacks the ethics. Like he lacks the ethics behind it, you know? Yeah. So Scott and Lacey sold the shack in 2000 and moved to Modesto where Lacey's family was from and bought a three-bedroom modest house in a nicer neighborhood. Like I said, Lacey's family was pretty opposite of Scott's. They were of Portuguese descent and farmers. They were hardworking, loving people that lived a more simple life. I think the life also in Modesto was not the life that Scott had always dreamed of. Maybe it's hard to understand, but coming from the crisp beach air, beautiful schools, country clubs, and great restaurants to living a mod- in a modest community in the Valley of Central California where dairy farming is the norm and smelling manure, which is actually what Scott sold, was the everyday occurrence. Yeah. Maybe just maybe Scott thought, that's not really what I signed up for. Okay. Now, I know this goes against like my whole, I mean, it really doesn't matter, but in watching all the news conferences and stuff, I really like Lacey's parents. Like I gravitate towards them. Oh, me too. Like a lot. And I think this is maybe something that kind of worked against Scott was that his family came off as really cold, you know? So his mom has since died, but, you know, they were just, they didn't come off as this warm, loving family that was so obvious with Lacey's parents. And I agree with that. I think that is 100% true. One thing I didn't, I didn't know how to bring this up, but I, I think it's a good time. Scott's mom actually had two children prior to Scott that she gave up for adoption in a previous relationship. So, and it is said that Scott never really had that, that feeling of like love and nurture. And so I think if you're not given that as a child, it's really hard as an adult to portray that or give that because that's something that you just kind of have to 
grow up with. And I do see Lacey's parents, even her stepdad, treated her just like a daughter. And so I do think she had that more loving. Yeah. Upbringing. And I think if you grow up with that, like, fun family that, you know, doesn't fight, that gets together all, you know, that gets together all the time, of course, you can see why Lacey would want to, like, live back close to her family, even if it was, you know, Of Modesto. course. Who cares? Like, it doesn't yeah, matter. Yeah, miss that. Yeah. And maybe that was even something Scott was attracted to because maybe he didn't ever really have that. Yeah, that's definitely a possibility. I mean, I stayed with a guy for his family for a long time. He had a real good one. Yeah, me too. Mm -hmm. So we've been there, done that. Yeah, we get that. Yeah. So by 2002, Scott was full on fertilizer salesman and Lacey, a homemaker beauty pregnant and sometimes substitute teacher. For Lacey, life seemed to be going as desired. She was where she grew up, like we said, around people she grew up with. Her best friends were there, also her family. And she was about to have a baby with her hunky husband. However, on that fateful Christmas Eve, 2002, life would forever change when Lacey Peterson, who was nearly eight months pregnant with baby Connor, was reported missing by her stepfather. So according to Scott, because that's all we have from Christmas Eve is his accounts. They woke up in the morning. Lacey was watching a Martha Stewart cooking show on meringues. Which mm-hmm. maybe here is a point you wanted to point out. I guess the prosecution said there was no Martha Stewart cooking show that day. Okay, but there was a Martha Stewart sh- cooking show that day, and it was about... That's right, because it was a segment on a show. Yeah, it was a segment. So do I get a point for that? Yes. Yes. Because the prosecution originally said that Lacey was dead the night before. That's right. They had to change their story. Okay. So, so they did have to change their story, but it doesn't mean that Lacey was watching that show. Scott could have turned on the TV and saw that. I don't think that if you had, if Lacey was dead the night before and you have, you're like dismembering the body of your wife, that you're paying attention to Martha Stewart making moraines on the TV and that you can recall that. Maybe not. Okay. Okay. So he left to go golfing which would change to fishing due to weather. And Lacey was going to walk the dog, make gingerbread cookies, and get ready for dinner later that night at her mom's house. Scott then decides to drive 90 miles away to the Berkeley Marina where he would fish, call Lacey on his way home, and leave a very sweet message for her. Return home to see Lacey's car in the driveway the dog on its muddy leash in the backyard, and Lacey nowhere in sight. Quick note, they have been very, like, put off by this message that he leaves because he's like, hey, sweetie, I'm on my way home. I'm not going to have time to pick up this, so it's just wondering if you could pick it up. Yeah. And they were like, it sounds too sweet to, like, be true. But if... On the other hand, and now I'm playing kind of devil's advocate on your role. On the other hand, if they're saying that he's the smooth talker winning all the girls over, why wouldn't he also do that with his wife? Then she wouldn't expect any 
affair. Yeah, or... she wouldn't suspect anything. They overcompensate. When your husband starts bringing you flowers and all that stuff, that's when you know they're up to no good. <laughs> yeah, so... I'm not so sure that that call, I'm not sure. Indicates anything. Yeah. Okay. So we're not going to give anybody a point for that call. Okay. So that's what the prosecution says. The timeline was mm-hmm. what, or, okay. But what do you think happened? How did it go down that he killed her? Well, in that time frame, Yeah. So the prosecution says at this point, he heads to the Berkeley Marina he has Lacey wrapped in a tarp, maybe already in the boat, Gretchy. Like he's driving with the boat attached to the, he actually doesn't drive straight to the marina. He goes to his, his like workshop warehouse storage unit place, picks up the boat. Mm-hmm. They think that he has Lacey, I guess, in his car. Then he has to transfer her to mm-hmm. the boat. I guess, but they never found any evidence of there's no physical evidence in the car or the boat. No, but there is this tarp that was doused with bleach and manure. I never heard anything about this tarp. This is the tarp that was actually on his boat that people say they saw. And when they found it in storage unit, it had like bleach and manure on it. And they said those are two things that could cover up the scent of a body. Oh, we need to verify this because you know what? I heard that they released reports that there were things that what they said in this documentary, at least, was they released reports that there was they found stuff that had been cleaned up with bleach and stuff, but that that was completely not true, that there was no. Yeah. And that could be true because I'm just saying what the prosecution had said. So yeah, it's possible that that's not true. I do think that they had their sights set on Scott. So, you know, and this is a small town that doesn't deal with a lot of these murders. I mean, this is not a normal occurrence. So I think when you have investigators that are not used to, you know, really investigating homicides and and a missing person case that is so under under so much scrutiny from the media like it's I think it gets a little twisted sometimes yeah so they say that she was in the boat he tied these anchors to her which I'm going to get to in a second and then um pushed her overboard let me just get back to he comes home because this is just what he's telling the police at this point right he's just saying I got home. The dog was in the dr- in the backyard with its buddy leash on, and a neighbor actually found the dog kind of running through the street, grabbed the dog, put the dog in their backyard. Lacey's nowhere in sight. He takes a shower, throws his clothes in the laundry. My husband would never do in a million years, and I know your husband wouldn't either, Gretchen. Never in a million but years, yeah. Scott was very particular and always kept everything super neat and tidy. So maybe he would do that. Okay. He ate pizza, waiting for Lacey to come home. Then he calls her parents when it starts getting like later and later and says, Hey, have you seen Lacey? They say no. And he immediately says she's missing. This struck up nerve because why would you say 
Lacey's missing. And at this point, Lacey's parents are like, wait, what? Like, did you call her friends? Did you call anybody else? Did you ask a neighbor? And he's like, no. So they were like, well, she's not just missing. Go like ask around where she's at. Um, and when he does, nobody could find her. So he calls back. And that is when Ron, her stepdad, makes the infamous call that everybody probably has heard to the police to report Lacey missing. But there's nothing to this call. He just says, my daughter, we can't find my daughter. The last thing we know about her was she was walking her dog. So immediately, Lacey's parents are frantic. Sharon, her mom, heads straight to the park where Lacey was supposedly last going to walk the dog. And she's yelling and searching everywhere, everything to try to find her. Okay. You want to say anything yet? No, I want you to get to the part where you say you're basically telling. I'm just going over the story. Then I'm going to get to the I'm going to get to the. Yeah, I want to hear when you start to I'm going to jump in when you start saying how you think Scott actually killed her. What you think happened, then I'll say, okay, well, this didn't. So go ahead. Keep keep telling the story. I'm, I'm currently trying to find this beach bleached tarp. Before we continue, I wanted to tell you all about, so remember those supplements, they were called Care Of, and Gretchen and I both really loved them. They were super easy to get. We took a convenient online quiz, asked us how much we sleep, what our diet's like, how much we work out which this week has been not good for me, by the way, on the I workout slacker, department. But I've been taking the electrolytes before my morning run and I'm on fire. Yeah, they're really great. They're really good and they kind of taste yummy too. Yeah, so it's hassle-free. They mail them out to you in a week. Easy peasy, lemon squeezy. Uh, we both love the electrolytes and it's good for women and men. So even all those guys out there, it's awesome. And our listeners get 50% off, which is That's good. pretty good yeah. for the first order. All you have to do is type in clink50 at checkout, which, you know, yes. clink, clink, but just one clink. And you get 50% off your first order of Care Of. And the website is takecareof.com, www.takecareof.com. Don't forget the take, care of. So friends and family set up a command station where they would make posters, bring photos, and have phones, etc. Lacey's best friends were there. Scott was there. But Scott made sure that everything was about Lacey and nothing was about him. He didn't want to talk to the reporters or the media. He did not want to show his face. He didn't want any photos with him and Lacey posted. And they had tons of pictures, right? And he would always grab what her her best friends say is that he would like grab the photos of both of them and like look at it and be like, ooh, I want to keep this one. But it was everyone with him and her. So that only photos of her were there, but nothing with them together. And it looked weird to everybody. It looked weird to her friends. Like, why was he not more distraught over his wife and unborn son missing? The police bring Scott in for questioning, as they do all husbands, and he is calm and collected. 
He says that he went fishing, couldn't really say where, says about he spent about an hour and a half in the boat. He was fishing for Sturgis in this small aluminum boat. The police find Scott's demeanor odd. And as we know, they already think the closest person to the victim is always a suspect. So they start searching the bay where Scott was or where he said he was last. While keeping an eye on Scott, Scott knows they're searching the bay, but he doesn't know that they are watching him. And you know what Scott's doing? Scott's renting cars and traveling 90 miles to the bay where he spends five or so minutes looking over a look point in the bay and driving back. That is suspicious. That's weird. Why would you do yeah, that? I'm okay. I'm going to give you a point for that. Yeah. I didn't realize he did that. Yeah. That's real odd. Okay. So although the police were suspicious, they still say they looked for other leads. One lead was a couple people saw a pregnant lady with the dog, yellow dog walking in the neighborhood. And the police actually found that lady and said, yep, she was like, yeah, I was walking my dog in the same area. And she had a dog that looked just like Lacey's. So they were like, well, there's the pregnant lady. You know, we got that. It wasn't her. I'm going to really argue that point. Okay. We'll get to that in a minute. There was another theory that there was a satanic cult abducting pregnant women in the area. Uh, did you hear about that one, Gretch? Yeah. Okay. There was another woman who actually was pregnant that washed up in the Bay Area just five months prior. And I actually researched that one. And I think she too was killed by her boyfriend who actually knocked her up, but was married to somebody else. Oh. So like people do when we have a missing person, a candle candle vigil was held with hundreds of people from the community attending. On the stage was Lacey's parents, Scott's parents, and her friends pleading for the return of Lacey. But you know who was nowhere in sight? Scott. Scott. Supposedly he was there, but no one from Lacey's family or her best friends ever saw him. Can you imagine that? No, but I mean, we know what the, we know the reason why. Yeah. So, well, all of this camera shyness would be made clear very soon. Scott mostly was avoiding the camera to ensure his side chick, Amber Fry, would not see him on the national news. Because as the world was looking for Lacey and tuning into every news station from here to New York, Scott was still having an affair with a single mother from Fresno. Right. While Lacey's mother was opening trash cans looking for her daughter and police were searching under the water in the bay, Scott was having secret phone conversations with Amber. Yeah. Even on the night of the vigil held for Lacey, Scott calls Amber 10 minutes before claiming he is in Paris near the Eiffel Tower. I'm going to insert a clip here for you to see how he's talking about his New Year's celebration. Amber, hey, happy New Year's. Happy New Year's. I'm uh, near the Eiffel Tower. New Year's celebration is unreal. The crowd is huge. But you know what? Little did Scott know that Amber was no dummy. Well, maybe at first she was. But as soon as Amber learned of Lacey's disappearance 
and the fact that Scott was actually married, she called Modesto Police Department right away. This was on December 30th. The police immediately partners with Amber to tape all their conversations to see if Scott would reveal anything that would help their case to find Lacey. During these months, Amber would take Scott's calls, and finally, Scott would let her know that he was married to a missing woman. In this phone conversation, she questions him over and over about a conversation that they had on December 9th. So let me go back real quick to Amber and Scott's affair, because if you know anything about this case, you know that Amber is a huge part of it. Amber and Scott met November 20th, 2002, just about a month prior before Lacey's disappearance. She had no idea that he was married. And at the time, she was a single mother to a 23-month-old daughter. Scott immediately doted over Amber, and they became intimate immediately, like the same day they met. Oh, I didn't know they were doing it already. Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. From this point, they would periodically see each other and talk on the phone all the time. They lived in different cities, so it wasn't hard for him to go days without seeing her. He also had these elaborate stories as to why he couldn't be with her on these certain holidays. Like he was traveling on Thanksgiving and he was going here and there for work and he was visiting his family in Maine, which we all know his family doesn't live in Maine. So they have this quick affair that seemed to escalate pretty quickly. On December 9th, one of their mutual friends found out that Scott was married and told him, dude, you got to tell Amber or I'm going to tell her. So he tells Amber that he lost his wife and it would be his first holidays without her. He told her that he wanted to be with Amber and that her child was enough for him. He didn't want any more children but hers, and he was also contemplating having a vasectomy. Well, Amber was duped by this smooth talker, and over these short few weeks, he would tell Amber that he would take care of her, he would, they would spend their life together, and he actually cried to Amber when he was telling her that he lost his wife. Amber believed him. And he said after New Year's, he would be able to speak better to it. She didn't really ask questions. He was just kind of like, you know, I'll I'll tell you more after New Year's, after I get through these holidays without her. So she didn't question it. She was like, oh my God, she must have died of cancer or something, you know? Yeah. Scott then goes to the infamous Christmas party with Amber while Lacey is at another Christmas party by herself the same night. There is a picture that I'm sure everyone has seen. If not, we will post it of Scott and Amber looking happy as clams. Scott has like the Christmas hat on, you know? Yeah. So back to Amber working for the police, taping all these conversations. He's a lying asshole. Yeah. Whatever. She did a real good job, I think, of talking to him. So anyways, Scott calls Amber on one of these taped conversations and actually comes, it comes out like, Hey, Amber, I'm the guy on the news. Probably all heard that. She is like questioning him, questioning him, questioning him. I'm going to put a little insert here so you guys can hear just how he's talking. The girl I've been there to. 
Her name is Lacey. Mm-hmm. She disappeared just before Christmas. I deserve an explanation of why you told me you had lost your wife and this was the first holidays you'd spend without her. This has to be the biggest coincidence I have ever heard of. I mean, are you psychic? You predicted your wife would be missing? How did you lose her then, before she was lost? There are different kinds of loss, Amber. Then explain your loss. I, I can't to you now. But nothing comes out of that, right? He doesn't give himself up. He's just like, I, I can't explain it right now. At this point, obviously the police know, but Lacey's parents have no idea that Scott's like having an affair until the Inquirer, do you know this, behind, gets that picture, the infamous picture. Well, that's not really true. Actually, the police went to her, the parents, before the story was leaked so that they would be prepared for when it yes. came out. Inquirer called the police and said, hey, we're going to release this, but maybe you want to tell the parents first. Yeah. Yeah. So that's how that happened. And from that point on, I mean, I think that anybody that thought Scott was innocent changed their tune. Yeah. Okay. So what do you think happened? The prosecution thinks that Scott took the boat out. They say that he had tackle in his boat that he never even like opened. So they're like, he didn't even fish. Plus he was fishing for Sturgis, right? Which he can't even fish for in that boat. It's so tiny, which then you can also say, then how can you put a body in that boat? Right? Right. If you're arguing for the prosecution, how do you think the timeline was that he killed her, put her body in the boat and took her out to the bay? Okay, so I think on, you know, the 24th, she's watching Martha Stewart, I guess. And actually, I don't think so. I think he killed her the night before. I think they got in an argument. I think that he's like, dude, like, I'm so fucking over your pregnant ass. You're done. And I just want to be with this Amber chick or just be like free and clear of anything because he's so like, he doesn't want a kid. He likes Amber, but he's not in love with her, right? So he kills Lacey. He's like, shit, what the fuck am I going to do? I have this Christmas Eve dinner. He's like, I got to figure something out. And he is methodical. So I do think he turned on the TV and he he has some points. Like if I was going to make cookies, my husband would never know they were going to be gingerbread or, or fucking chocolate chips for all he cares. Like he wouldn't know that stuff. Those are things I think he planted in his mind for his alibi. Then he's like, how do I get rid of her? So he he wraps her in this tarp, puts her okay, in his car. So I found, the, I found the tarp. Okay. Okay. So this is the deal with the tarp. The tarp was collected as evidence during the search warrant executed on December 27, 2002. It was in the pickup on the night of the 24th. On the 27th, the... 68 by 91 blue tarp was found by Detective Ray Cole folded up in a large shed housing garden fertilizers. So it was in a shed with fertilizer. It wasn't doused with fertilizer or or bleach. They collected it as evidence. They clearly didn't. There's no evidence that of Lacey's body or bodily fluids or anything on the tarp. I mean, how do you not have a single drop of Lacey's DNA? Like, he didn't use the tarp to kill her. 
Okay. So that's a point for you. Okay. Are you sad you're not having a lot of points yet? (laughs) (laughs) So maybe he washed the tarp. No, because I know they're coming. Okay. So he puts her, he goes to his shed. He makes these four anchors supposedly for her limbs or her head. Mm-hmm. They're 10 pound anchors. They're not big, right? They're pretty small if they're a 10 pound anchor. And he puts those and Lacey's body into the boat, drives the boat to that morning. That morning you're saying to the uh-huh. Bay Area, uh huh, backs his boat in. He doesn't need to be there for long. He says he was there for an hour and a half. I don't know if he needed that long. Plops her over. You know, ties the anchors to her limbs and. Listeners, today's episode is sponsored by Acorns. Are you busy? Well, of course you are. And if you're like me, that means you put off investing because maybe it just doesn't seem urgent or it's intimidating. Enter Acorns. Acorns makes it easy to start automatically saving and investing for your future. You don't need a lot of money or expertise to invest with Acorns. In fact, you can get started with just spare change. Acorns recommends an expert-built portfolio that fits you and your money goals, then automatically invests your money for you. What I love about Acorns is that it gives you the tool to give your money a chance to grow. You don't have to start with a lot. Just start. Believe me, it feels great. Head to acorns.com slash clink or download the Acorns app to start saving and investing for your future today. Client testimonial may not be representative of all clients. Tier one compensation provided. Compensation provides an incentive to positively promote Acorns. View important disclosures at acorns.com slash clink. Investing involves risk, including the loss of the principal. Please consider your objectives, risk tolerance, and Acorns fees before investing. Acorns Advisors, LLC, Acorns is an SEC registered investment advisor. Brokerage services are provided to clients of Acorns by Acorns Securities, LLC, member FINRA slash SIPC. For more information, visit acorns.com. Listeners, remember when everyone was doing juice cleanses and was basically hangry all the time? Well, there's a better, more sustainable way to lose weight. Roe provides access to the most popular weight loss shots on the market. The Roe Body Program pairs a weekly shot with healthy lifestyle changes so you can lose 15 to 20% of your weight in a year on average and actually keep it off. Roe's partners handle all the insurance paperwork to help get medication covered. If eligible for medication, patients have access to their provider on demand for any questions. You can sign up online from the comfort of your own home. This means no scheduling a doctor's appointment, no commute to the doctor's office, and no waiting rooms. Average weight loss is 15 to 20% in one year with healthy lifestyle changes. BMI and other eligibility criteria apply. Go to roe.co slash clink. Sign up today and you'll pay just $99 for your first month and $145 after that. Medication costs are separate. That's ro.co slash clink. Throws her overboard. Then pulls out the boat and he's on his way home. Yeah. Okay. I mean, that's, that's. Easy peasy lemon squeezy. I think the way he killed her to not have any evidence is you strangle her. Plus, there's no head. So her body was found in such a – they only found the torso. 
So Okay, and I will give you a point for the fact that her body was found in the place where he said he was that day. Yes. Okay. I already wrote it down because I, I gave you an extra <laughs> on accident because I can't read innocent. Or I'm okay. Not smart. So they and then the prosecution did find a pair of pliers in the shed that had a strand of Lacey's oh hair God, on them. Pliers in a shed. Oh, my God. <laughs> I can't believe it. I know you're going to say like we shed a lot of hair, right? Yeah, we do. So, I mean, I could think I could pull off 10 hairs off me right now. Yeah. So I think that that is a very weak evidence because also oh, okay. because the pliers. I'll give you half a point. I think for you it. could have a point for but, it because like uh, it doesn't really mean that she was those pliers could have come from her house. Whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And she could have used them before. So here's one. Crutchy. All of her jewelry that she doesn't leave the house without it on was all found left in a room. Okay, listen, she was pregnant. She was swollen. Big deal. You have to take off your jewelry when you're pregnant. But not a necklace, not earrings. Okay. Okay. Okay, I'll give you a point for that. You could just give me one point for both of these things. Her purse and phone were found in a closet. Who puts their purse in a closet? Do you? Well, if you didn't want your dog to like chew it up or something, I'll give you, you that can be part of your Okay. Point. I don't, I don't, I don't know. I don't put my purse in the closet. I mean. The prosecution also found a wedding album of Scott and Lacey in the garbage can at that warehouse storage unit. Oh, I had never heard that either. That's a point. That's weird. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Are you done? With all my points? You got, you got more points? Yeah. I think I'm done with my points. Okay. So I'm going to tell you what happened. Okay. <laughs> that was fun. Okay. He did not kill her the night before because at 840 in the morning, Lacey was on the computer looking for sunflower umbrellas and women's clothing. That's because Scott is just so meticulous. He knows that Scott didn't know that he didn't tell the police like, hey, check my browser history or anything. The computer analytics guy that took the computer into custody discovered that and he didn't even know about that till trial. Okay. Point. Okay. Point. Nine to 10, Martha Store. We've already talked about that. 9.20 to 9.40 a.m., a neighbor sees Scott loading his car before he went to his warehouse three miles away. Okay. okay. That's what he did. I'm, nobody gets a point for that. That's just neighbor Back. says this. Okay. 10.08, Scott makes a phone call to his voicemail while he's on the road from the the warehouse, which is triangulated by police. So we know that he was on the road by 10.08. Okay. 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 Between 10 and 10.45, witnesses see her walking her dog and it's plotted out in a circle tab. There's like a dozen fucking people that saw her walking the dog. Why didn't they? they... Because Mark Garrigo sucks dick. He did not follow up up with these people. They there were so many. This was such a huge case. There were so many tips coming in. And everybody assumed that they were following up with all these people that had seen her and even the people were like, 
well, maybe they have they must have a ton of accounts because so many people saw her. Yeah. So I watched a documentary where the police department said they did follow up with all their tips and the police detective was like, yeah, I found that pregnant lady that everybody was talking about. And she said she was walking the dog. Well, that's not that's just not true. I mean, I believe these dozen people that have come forward since that say they were familiar with her. They were familiar with the dog. They 100 yeah. percent saw her. One of the people even is like, I know I saw her between, you know, 1040 and 1042 because I was on a smoke break and I had my time card. Oh, OK. That's a point. OK. So between I mean, already. Here's the thing. Already. If you take those two pieces of evidence, Scott is on the road at 10.08 and between 10 and 10.45, witnesses see Lacey walking her dog. He's innocent. If one of those dozen people, if one of those dozen people is right about what they saw, Scott's innocent. Then why didn't they bring one of them onto the stand? I don't, I, okay. So because they thought, because there was so no physical evidence that that was that that was the deal. I know. And I agree. Like you have to prove guilt and you shouldn't have to prove innocence, but you've got to prove innocence. Let's just be honest. Yeah, you do. Okay. So then it goes on to between 1030 and 1056. Scott was on his computer at the warehouse and hooking his boat up. Mm -hmm. Okay. So they looked up. What was he looking up? He was sending an email to his boss, you know, Merry Christmas, and looking up how to use tools, like a new tool that he had just bought. Yeah, I did see that. And that tool was actually put together in the 20 minutes because he only had 20 minutes there, I think. So I think that is a point. Yeah. So he was clearly there. Okay. At Now, rewind a little bit. At 1018, a neighbor sees the family dog with the collar and the leash on, and she put it back in the yard. Okay, back up. What time was the guy on the smoke break? I don't know exactly what time the smoke break was, but it is between 10 and 1045 people. This is where it's a little, it's a little fuzzy. People see her walking the dog plotted around in the circle. At 1018, a neighbor sees the dog and puts her back in the yard. So, so it's like, the smoke break, we would need to know the time card of the smoke break to make sure that it's not after the dog being all put All of these in could the, have been after 1018. Like the dog could have just gotten away from her and then she grabbed the dog after that. But the guy with the smoke break had to have seen her before 1018. Right. That's what I'm saying. There is something to these witnesses. Okay. At 1254, that is... When there is a receipt, Scott produces a receipt from where he parked his truck in the marina and he was fishing from one to two. Okay. Regarding this, everybody says, why would he go fishing on Christmas Eve? My husband 100% would go fishing on Christmas Eve. I don't think that that is like a big deal either. He's not going until five o'clock to Christmas dinner. I don't think that's like... Why isn't he helping his wife get ready for Christmas Eve? That's just some husbands just aren't doing that. Yeah. Okay. And this is what I think, too. If he killed her, 
the night before, he would have gone to the marina the night before because there is no way you are taking a body in a boat going past all these live aboard boats. You know, it's a crowded marina with people walking around all the time in this little tiny boat in the middle of the day. If you're going to get rid of a body, you're going to do it at night. Okay. Let me ask you something. So why would he say he bought that boat for his father-in-law and take it out? Like if it's a gift, then why would you use it? I was like, yeah, just to check it out, see how it runs. Maybe. And then let me tell you something else. Prosecution was like, or maybe the defense said that Scott uh, registered the boat. And how would he do that if Lacey and like try to hide that from Lacey? I think that my husband registers our boat and I have no fucking clue when or where or how he does it. So, I mean, I am for the defense on that. Like, I think that that's not... I mean, do you know when your husband registers your boat or your trailer or my husband doesn't No, I register all that stuff myself <laughs> because my husband has a very good wife. So that's not my department in our marriage. But he but if it, the tables were turned, he wouldn't he wouldn't know when that was, you know, he'd be like, whatever. I like he has no yeah, idea. Okay. Okay. I don't believe that he would have there is any way that he would have done any of this in in broad daylight. And it doesn't add up that he's looking for sunflower umbrellas and how tools work. Like, I mean, this all seems like that all seems normal to me, not the behavior of a murderer. Okay. At 2.15, so he's fishing from one to two. By the way, people in the marina saw him, looked into the boat, did not see anything. Okay. Okay. Mark Garagos and his team, they tried to replicate a hundred pound, you know, what it would be like to have a hundred pound body dumping it over with the anchors, Mm -hmm. whatever. And it was, they couldn't do it without capsizing the boat. They did it, you know, they got the same, same, everything, same conditions, all of that, but it wasn't admissible in court. The judge decided. And why did they decide that? Do you know? Because I did read that. No, I don't know why. And then they let the jury go in the boat off of the water, which I can't like, what is, what's the yeah, point of, of that? You can't capsize the boat when it's, it's stable on land. That's stupid. Yeah. I think that's so stupid too. The boat is tiny you guys. It is like real small. Yeah. It's real small. Okay. So then he calls Lacey at two fifteen as he's leaving the Marina leaves that sweet message. Okay. Mm-hmm. 4.30, he drops off the boat at the warehouse, and then he went straight home. He thought it was unusual. The door was unlocked, and the leash was still attached to the dog, but he assumed that her mom had picked her up to help prepare Christmas Eve. Okay. I mean. All right. That does. But her car is still in the driveway. Yeah, that's why he thought her mom must have picked her up. Okay. So he took a shower and then called Lacey's mom at 517 to inform her that, you know, he said, hey, is Lacey there? And uh, the car and the dog were still there. They start, everybody starts, you know, thinking, well, what the hell? He does say the thing like uh, she's missing. 547, Lacey's stepdad calls 911. That night, he voluntarily sat down with police 
He does not acknowledge that they have any trouble in their marriage. But they probably didn't have trouble in their marriage. He's just a sleazebag. Okay, but here's the thing. When someone is missing, I think he is. This is what I think. I think he's a sleazebag. And I think where Mark Garagos went wrong is that he should have called everybody from Scott's past that knows that Scott is a sleazebag, that he is a compulsive liar, that he could, you know, lie about anything on any given day. And he is so egotistical that he doesn't want to be found out. He needed to call those people. They needed to annihilate Scott's character. He also needed to call that that girl from the past that when he was married and going to college and he was already saying he was getting divorced. Yeah, he was full of himself. They needed to show all these people that just because Scott is a douchebag, which everyone agrees he is, does not make him a murderer. So, yes. So prosecution's evidence really was weak. The only thing that prosecution had that really damned him was the tapes from... The tapes from Amber Fry Mm -hmm. and the fact that the bodies were found where he said he was fishing. That's all they had. But they released his alibi to the public. So if you were holding a pregnant lady hostage or had a, a body to get rid of, wouldn't you dump it in the spot where they're accusing the guy who did it? Yep. Yeah. Okay. So this does not look good for Scott. So Scott calls his parents the next day, tells them about Lacey, whatever, and tell them that police ask him to take a polygraph and his stepdad talks him out of it. Or his dad. Is it stepdad? I think it's dad. His dad. Yeah. I don't know. I have stepdad in my notes. But so he said no to the polygraph. And so then that's when police really zeroed in on him was like the next day because they're like, oh, this guy has something to hide. We all know what he was hiding was this affair with Amber Fry. When someone goes missing, all bets are off. You have to put it all out on the table. You have to say, dude, I was having an affair, but I don't know what the fuck happened to my wife. Like, I always think about that, the David Westgate case that happened in San Diego. And that might be the wrong name, but this little boy went missing And the police questioned the parents and the parents were like, yeah, we smoke pot, we're swingers, you know, whatever. And the media kind of attacked them. And and then they found out it was the neighbor that had taken the little boy. Long story short. Oh, I remember that. But it was like, that is exactly what you have to do. You have to say, these are all our secrets. You can look wherever you want. Our kid, that's what you do. Mm -hmm. You can't try to hide anything. Because nothing matters but finding this missing person. So I think that is where Scott went wrong. And he definitely lied when he said Amber, or not Amber, um, Lacey knew about his affair with Amber. He told that. Yeah. He said that at one point. I mean, I think to Diane Sawyer. Yeah. Okay. So the story is getting a lot of press. The police are zeroing in on him, they have an overwhelming response to the search. Tips start coming in about people who saw her walking the dog. It gets overwhelming for this little police department, and they're not following up. They police execute search warrants on December 26th. They find nothing. He had voluntarily let the police in his house, by the way, on the 24th. Yeah, he did. They asked him to consent to a second search in writing. And again, his family told him to 
consult with an attorney before signing anything. Now, this all this looks really bad for Scott, but the truth is, I'm sorry, that is how rich people think. Rich people are like, you got to lawyer up. You got to, you know, that's their mentality. And it just, it in public opinion, it didn't, it didn't serve him. It did not serve him well, but also it didn't serve him well because I think of the public that he got, like the jury he got didn't fancy rich people. They hated Mark Garagos. They thought he was coming in with his fancy clothes. I read the jury book. It was written by seven of the jurors and over and over they talk about Mark Garagos's designer clothes, his swagger. Yeah, he was playing to the wrong crowd. It's that's right. And you know who was playing to the right crowd? Nancy Grace. Nancy, our girl mm-hmm. Nancy, God love her. But she jumped in on this case and started appearing on Larry King every night. And she, if she wants, if Nancy Grace wants you to be guilty, you're you guilty. Are, you're yeah. going to be guilty in public opinion. I mean, there is nobody who can talk their way, you know. I mean, we all saw her do Top Mom. Excuse me. You know, I mean, she is like, you know, okay. So by December 30th, the people have already convicted Scott Peterson. Mm -hmm. December 30th, police release information about there was a burglary across the street. On Christmas Eve morning, a neighbor, a neighbor driving by told them they saw suspicious people out front at 1140 a.m., And she saw the van. She didn't put it together that they were burglarized until, like, the people had, like, come back and said, we were burglarized. We think it happened on the 24th. Okay, so four days later, the police announced the burglary happened on the 26th. So they're saying, like, the burglary had nothing to do with Lacey's disappearance because it happened on the 26th. The problem is that with that is that all the reporters were out there from 5 a.m. on. Mm-hmm. They're like, they all say there's no way that house was burglarized. It just didn't happen. It happened on the 24th. So, okay, so the house is burglarized on the 24th. What does that so have I get to a, do I with? I get a point for you, that. Yeah, but what does that have to do with Lacey? Because somebody else saw her have a confrontation with these people. With the burglars. Yeah. Somebody saw Lacey have a confrontation with the burglars. Yeah. And the burglars are coming there at like nine in the morning? In the middle of the day on Christmas Eve. Yeah. Well, it had to have been before 1018. No. It was after she got back from her walk. Well, the lady found the dog at 1018 in the morning. Yeah, but the dog got out all the time. She could have still grabbed that dog and put it and put it back. But there was no Lacey after 10, 18 in the morning. That's what I'm saying. She was the walk. She could have started the walk after 10, 18. Like maybe she opened the gate and the dog, the dog got out and then the lady put it back. You know, maybe Lacey went back in the house to go to the bathroom or something. And then she grabbed the dog and started her walk. I mean, that would be highly unlikely. Why would it be unlikely? Because like, and I don't know, I just don't see that. I see that the lady found the dog after Lacey was missing. 
but then a dozen people saw her on her walk. Okay. And then she comes back from her walk. She has this confrontation with these burglars and they take her. Let me tell you, when they took these guys, when they found the burglars, the first thing they said was, we don't have anything to do with that missing pregnant lady. I know. That's so weird. That is a real weird statement. That is a weird statement. Okay. And it gets, it gets worse. Okay. Do we know who these guys are? Yeah. And have they ever had anything else in their criminal past like lately? I mean, it's been 20 years. Are they all just I don't know if they're men? exact, you know. I'd love to look them up. They're exact, you know, like deal or whatever. Mm-hmm. So here is the deal with that. Um, the robbery thing was at the trial after the, okay, this came out after the trial. So okay. when they're like going through to write his appeal. Yeah. The lawyers came across a tip from Lieutenant that Lacey had the confrontation with the people that were robbing the house across the street. It came from the robber's brother on a recorded phone call because he was in prison, right? So like a lieutenant was listening while the robber is in prison for the robbery. The lieutenant is listening because they listen in on the phone call. Yeah, okay. So he called in and said, but they didn't discover this until after the trial. Okay. He then gave the tape to, he stands by his story to this day. He says he gave the tape of this conversation to the police, the Modesto police say he never gave it to them. They deny it. No way. Mm -hmm. So couldn't that be evidence, new found evidence for a new trial? Yeah. Well, I mean, his appeal is coming up now. You have to put it in context of you have this, the Nancy Grace army. You yeah, have these pe- people really identified with Lacey. I mean, pregnant. Can we talk about how cute she is? A uh, freaking yeah. adorable, right? Yeah. And especially when your heart breaks for her because her douchebag husband is having an affair. When they announced that Scott was found guilty, people cheered in the streets. I mean, this was like a big win. And you've got to think that those police egos got involved. I mean, they wanted to show that we, yeah, we found our guy. We, we made him fry. Yeah. And so, yeah, a little, a little conflicting evidence. They can make it go away. I mean, police are very capable of that. Ooh, that's interesting, Gretchen. That's interesting. Right now I'll bet there here's something else you didn't know. I mean, you kind of made light of this satanic cult. And I have no idea about this satanic cult, but it is really strange that when Lacey's body was found, all of her internal organs were missing. Out out of how? Out of her body. But couldn't it just been eaten by? No, that doesn't happen. It doesn't? No, that doesn't happen. So it was like somebody really tampered with her body. And if Scott would have done that, you know, there there would have been blood evidence, right? Uh And there's also evidence that the baby lived outside of Lacey's body. The doctor that they had testify at the trial has conceded since then that he used the wrong formula to measure the baby to determine the day of Connor's death. 
And now they say the actual doctor who wrote the theory has looked at the case and said the baby, based on the measurement of the bones, may have been alive as long as January 3rd. But why would they kill the baby? Who the fuck knows, dude? All right, guys. So we are going to cut it right here until next week. It came out a little bit longer than anticipated. And so we want you to listen next week because we have, that's when it gets good. Yeah, it gets real. We get heated it up. We heated it up. We get an argument. I get real fired the F up. Yeah. Gretchen's more of the voice of reason. And you get to hear the score. The final score. Oh, that's the best part. Okay. So next week, tune in to the Lacey and Scott Peterson part do. Part two. Part deuce. Deuce. Do. All the languages. Take, dose. Take that <laughs> and put it in your pipe and smoke it. Chrissy, HJ, our uneducated asses. Sixth grade vocabulary. Nobody's going to know that yet. They'll know it at the end and then they'll be like, that was funny. Okay. (laughs) So save that everybody for the end of next episode. Okay. That's right. Gretchen did take Spanish in high school. I did. Uno, dos, tres. I took French. Un, deux, trois. Ooh. See, you're so fancy. (laughs) Should have known it back then. Yeah. I have friends that would beg to differ, by the way. That you're smart? No, I think everybody thinks that. Well, yeah, probably that too. But um, no, that I'm fancy. I'm not that fancy. Oh, no, you're not that fancy. I just like to give you a hard time. I can dress up sometimes. Yeah. Right now I'm not. Look. No, you're not. But that lavender is a nice color on you. Thanks. It makes my boobs look real big. It does. I did a TikTok. TikTok, you don't stop. You guys, <laughs> if you haven't signed up for TikTok, it is so oh flipping God. funny. Can you please, okay? friend? Housewives of True Crime because Tabitha cannot stop sending me TikTok videos. She needs <laughs> friends on there. <laughs> oh my God. My husband's going to kill me. He's going to be like, What are you doing now? I'll be like, I'm TikToking. TikTok kill us. Stop, stop. <laughs> Our husbands are so lame. I don't know why they don't think they're funny. No, they don't think we're funny either. No, we're, and we're funny. And TikTok is funny. They're like, that's it? Dumb? Like, no, it's not. It's funny. It is really funny. I think Gretchen and I have the same humor. Yeah. Our husbands don't think we have, we're humorous. No. Sometimes I do some really weird shit and he'll be like, why are you doing that? I'm like, cause it's freaking funny. Funny. Yeah. Like take the stick out of it. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) Mr. 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 Okay, so thanks for listening to us. Um, you know, we love you all. Uh, we are also Patreon. That's where it's on. Patreon is where it's on. Yeah. Now we could say, this is like a double double say because you're going to hear it next week, but um, Gretchen did do a real good case. Oh, okay. Yeah. So if you guys are not Patreon members, check us out. Okay. Clink, clink. Clink, clink. <laughs>